This evening is from Genesis, first chapter, verses 24 through 31. God spoke, Earth, generate life, every sort and kind, cattle, reptiles, wild animals, all kinds. And there it was, wild animals of every kind, cattle of all kinds, every sort of reptile and bug. God saw that it was good. God spoke. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God bless them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree, given them to you for food, to all animals and all birds. Everything that moves and breathes, I give whatever grows out of the ground for food. And there it was. God looked over everything he had made. It was, it was so good, so very good. It was evening, it was morning, day six. Our psalm this evening is Psalm 8, a psalm of David, written for the music Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. You made your glory higher than heaven, from the mouths of nursing babies you have laid a strong foundation because of your foes. In order to stop vengeful, vengeful enemies, when I look up at your sky, at what your fingers made, the moon and the stars that you set firmly in place, what are human beings that you think about them? What are human beings that you pay attention to them? You've made them only slightly less than divine, crowning them with glory and glamour. You've let them rule over your handiwork, putting everything under their feet. All sheep, all cattle, the wild animals too, the birds in the sky, the fish of the ocean, everything that travels the pathways of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name throughout the earth. Our third reading comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verses 25 through 29. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a custodian. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now if you belong to Christ, then indeed you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. What does it mean to be human? Our topic tonight is 
humanity or humankind, what we used to call man, until I remember I was in a small group discussion and we were talking about the fall of man, and a woman in that discussion very astutely pointed out, well, you talk about this, this has nothing to do with me. This is your problem. What does it mean to be human? To be a steward. To be a steward? To have feelings? To make mistakes. To have unique gifts. To learn. We have needs. To enjoy life. To love one another. To love one another. To live in community. To embrace our past. That was excellent. Wise sage. Any other thoughts on what it means to be human? Have feelings. So leave, leave the world better than you found it. Okay, you can put that in the stewardship category. This is a question that people have been asking in some capacity and in lots of different arenas for a very long time. What does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be a person? All these things have been asked for generations and generations. One of my favorite fields of study and I did this um, in chaplain work, is bioethics or clinical ethics. So as part of my job as a chaplain, I did ethical consults in the hospital. So an ethical consult in the hospital is hopefully something you never experience or a part of, but when there's disagreement among family members who are deciding about care for somebody or disagreement between the doctors and nurses and the family on what the best course of care for somebody is, they call an ethical consult. And there's a team of people, you know, there's a lawyer on it and administrators and nurses and chaplains, and we would kind of take turns kind of being the go-to person on that. But we would go and kind of listen to everybody and try to help them kind of come to some kind of decision. We weren't there to tell somebody something was right or wrong. We were there really trying to mediate a solution for the person, for the patient, first and foremost. A lot, of, a lot of old family issues tend to bubble up when someone's very sick in the hospital. It happens a lot. But a lot of the discussion centers around this question of kind of what really makes a person a person? What really makes life worth living for that person? Those were kind of the questions that were discussed. And people have all kinds of answers to that question. Some may think, you know, boy, if I were ever paralyzed from the neck down, I love to do stuff with my hands and work, and I can't imagine my life being worth living if I can't do those things. That's a legitimate position to take for somebody. And that person, you know, might consider different treatment or lack of treatment if an accident like that happens. And that's not wrong, 
that's what they determine is important for them being kind of fully themselves. Now, as a culture, we try to answer this question in many different ways, and I've sat in a lot of presentations, because in healthcare, there's always a limited amount of resources. Saw this in COVID. Who do you put the time and the energy and the medication into in an emergency setting? Who is worth trying to save? That's a question about kind of what value does a person have? And society tries to answer that question. And it might be in many different ways. How have you heard that? What kind of value do we place on people as a culture? What do you think? What makes someone valuable to our culture and community? Productivity. Whether they have a family. So people that depend on them, perhaps. Youth. Youth. Their position in society. A lot of people that are kind of throwaways. They don't really have any value. How much money they have. How much money they make. You can't put a value on a person. We try. There's a whole wing of insurance that I don't understand that that's their whole job is to put a value on a person's life for a settlement. How do you even start that? Whether or not they have a criminal history. They're male or female. Education. Education level. What they believe. All of these factor into how, as a culture, we try to decide if someone's of value. In our readings today, which is kind of a continuation of creation last week, we come to human creation, the creation account of people. God creates everything else first, and on the last day of creation, God creates humans. In the reading that Tom read, there's a change there. In the first five days of creation, God doesn't speak. Someone tells us what God said. On day six, God finally speaks and says, let us create in our image humankind. Humanity is the pinnacle of creation. It was saved for last. Humans were set apart and different than the rest of creation. And we were made to bear God's image. Whatever that means. And whatever that looks like. What we believe as Christians, and in this back to basics, you know, I'm trying to give you kind of basic Christian theology around this, but what we believe as Christians is what makes us valuable is not what we can produce, it's not our gifts and talents, it's not our age, it's not our abilities, 
It's not our backgrounds and our place in society. The thing that gives us value is the fact that we were created to bear God's image, each and every one of us. That's a stark contrast to how the culture defines the value of a person. It's about productivity. It really all revolves around money. All of these decisions I've talked about revolve around money. The decisions in hospitals revolve around money. The decisions in society and culture revolve around money. What can they produce? How much money can they make, usually for somebody else? And that's what makes them valuable. And when they can no longer do those things, they're no longer valuable. Jesus' message was so different in that Jesus looked at those who the culture of his day said are not valuable or of any worth whatsoever. And in fact, they're so worthless that merely being around them will contaminate you. So you have to steer clear. And Jesus said, no, that's not the case. Each of these people has infinite worth and value because each bear the image of God. And in our Galatians text, Paul's talking about the fact that because we bear the image of God, because we are children of God, we are then heirs to God's inheritance. Each one of us. Unfortunately, I think we've lost sight of this and lose sight of this often, of what makes us valuable. And I think we lose sight of it for ourselves. I remember watching my grandpa struggle. He was a printer. He owned a small printing company. He worked with his hands. He was meticulous. To this day, if I open a book and the printing is slightly off, it will drive me insane. And I can hear his voice go, how did that ever make it out of the shop? Drives me nuts. But he had a stroke. And then he had another stroke. And then he couldn't do those things that he always did. And he struggled to know what his value was. He didn't feel like he was worth anything anymore. Because he could just sit around. He couldn't do much. And I know a lot of other people struggle with that later in life. I've heard others tell that similar story. But we have to hold on to this because this is fundamental to the Christian faith. This is fundamental to how we look at the world. This is fundamental to how we look at our fellow humans on this planet. And it should be starkly different than how the culture looks at other people. Because you will never look someone else in the face who doesn't bear the image of God. Never. You cannot look at a person that doesn't bear the image of God. No matter what they've done, no matter how awful they may be, think of the worst person in the world. Throughout history, come on, throughout the names. Hitler, Hitler there we go. Bin Laden. Bin Laden. 
even they still had a glimmer of the image of God in them. It was still there no matter what they did. When Jesus said to love your enemies, that's the why. You love them because God loved them first, because God created them just like you were created to bear the image of God. That's going to drastically change how you look at the world, how you engage with the problems of the world, and how we advocate for others. So as we think about this point in kind of our back to basics, this creation of humanity, have you seen the images of the new Webb telescope? I've been waiting for these things. Amazing. Amazing. My mind cannot comprehend that we're staring back in time billions of years with those images. Billions of years we're looking back in time. A vastness that I can't comprehend. But even with all of that vastness of the created universe, it is we, humanity, that was lifted above all other creation and drawn into a special relationship with God. In the psalm it said to be created to be just slightly less than divine, given honor and glory to be image bearers of God. If we can really embody this, if we can really live this out, you're going to find it's a lot harder to make snarky comments on Facebook. It's going to be a lot harder to diminish and belittle others who disagree with you. It's going to be a lot harder to see other people as less than or worthless. Because no one is worthless. That's the message Jesus brought. So be thinking about this. The impact of this idea. Let it sit with you. But what does it mean to bear God's likeness? What does that look like for us? What are the parts in us that reflect who God is? What are they? Patience. Grace. Compassion. Generosity. Forgiveness, there's a big one, it's four letters. Love. Love. Our capacity to do all of those things points to us being created in the image of God. It is those things in us that show other people who God is. And we cannot do them Apart from God and the Holy Spirit working through us. And it's those things we should look for in others. 
to see God in them, especially when it's difficult. So be thinking of those things. Keep them in the front of your mind. Look for them in others this week. And then next week, we'll look at where it all went wrong. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 